Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me, as always, is the ever-enchanting Karen Randazzo. Raina James, you're about to marry Deacon Claiborne. About damn time. And the always adorable Chris Randazzo. You know how to bite a dick, Eugene, and I mean that with the utmost respect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> i'm like speechless how do we recover from how do you, that? yeah uh <laughs> hey you're the one who said you didn't want to watch walking dead anymore and you missed you missed that, that I missed gem. i did miss that yet uh we here on this week's episode talk television uh so we do get spoilery uh we will be talking about you're the worst the walking dead nashville and daredevil in part uh so if you don't want any of those spoiled go check them out Come on back. Uh, we'll do our best to make them s- as enjoyable as we possibly can. Um, I think I'm going to start off this week because I started watching a show that I had never heard of, had no idea it existed, and apparently it's been on for a season and a half. I am speaking of You're the Worst. Now, I had no idea what I was getting into going into this. I saw the brief description on Hulu, and the best way I could sum it up, it is a sitcom of the two worst human beings ever put on the planet getting into a relationship. That's pretty much it. Um, The the show uh, centers around this English gentleman by the name of... uh, Jimmy, who is a, I don't want to say failed writer, but he he wrote a book. It's not doing very well. And we are constantly reminded about that because he goes into his local bookstore to see if it has sold or not. And uh, a little pleasant surprise for me. Um, the, you know, uh, is it not Geico, the, the, the woman who flow from the insurance commercials. Mm-hmm. She is the owner of. Or the manager of said bookstore. Uh, she's kind of funny. Um, nice to see her getting work outside of, you know, progressive commercial. Progressive, that's what a- it was. Aside from the thousands and thousands of checks she has to cash from that. It's <laughs> probably also correct. Um, work she may actually enjoy. This is true. So, Jimmy is a snide, rude, overly truthful asshole. Uh, and he falls for Gretchen, who's played by Aya Cash. I recognize her, but I don't know from where. Uh, she is also kind of a douchebag. Uh, she is one of those people that it's very real, uh, tells you like it is. She is a, a like a, um, an agent for a, a rap group. Um, but the two of these people... Like I watched a full season of this. I really enjoyed the show, so I may be making it sound like I didn't enjoy the show. I liked it a lot. The best way I could put it is the way they said it in like the last episode is most relationships have an alpha and a, a, a beta, and they are like two pit bulls. You put a pit bull with another dog, the other dog will get eaten alive. But if you put... Two pit bulls together, they become couch buddies. 
<laughs> Mutual, mutually assured destruction sort of nullifies it out. Um, they have their respective best friends of Edgar and Lindsay. Edgar is by far my favorite character in this show. He is a returning, he's a war vet who is suffering from uh, PTSD. And he's just a little off, but the complete opposite of Jimmy. He is like the nicest human being ever. And he lives with Jimmy. Uh, well, Jimmy's sort of taking care of him. He loves to live there rent free. And, you know, Edgar cooks and he cleans and, you know, and he's just trying to make his way. But he's like Jimmy's conscience. And. He's constantly helping him out, making him realize the folly of his ways and so on and so forth. Now, Lindsay, on the other hand, which is Gretchen's BFF, is a, a woman that I want to like poke in the eyes because she is so obnoxious. And it's like irritating. So she is the antithesis of Edgar. The show is standard sitcom fare with just a lot of... Because it is an FX show, so there is some raunchy sexuality and, and you know, kind of heavy on the cussing. But it's like the realest sitcom I've seen in a very long time. It, because it has very few standard sitcom tropes throughout it because, you know, they're not regular sitcom characters. They're the opposite. So I really enjoyed it. There's a seat, like I said, there's a season and a half. I don't want to get too much into it because it gives it, you know, I don't want to spoil anything too greatly. Um, it is a, it isn't a will she, will they, won't they type thing because the show starts with them getting into a relationship that they're like, oh, this is just us being cool. You know, it's no big deal. And then, of course, as the season progresses, it's the getting, they, they're realizing that they're slowly falling in love with each other. So it's them dealing with that over and over again, but in just really uncomfortably awkward ways. Um, there's a, a whole host of secondary characters on the show, all of which do a phenomenal job. I mean, uh, Gretchen's like rap act that she, I don't know, produces. Um, I, I, his name is Sam. But he's he's like supposed to be hard street type rapper, and he talks to Gretchen. He's like, "Bitch, you're doing what I said," and then she, you know, does it right back to him. He's like, "You're the only woman I would ever let talk to me that way." He's like, <laughs> s like ridiculously eloquent and educated and whatnot, but he's constantly either putting on this thug persona or um, a skater persona because that's what they really actually are. They're a bunch of skaters that end up doing a rap um the the show itself is is really really entertaining it's it's a lot of fun and not in the stupid standard sitcom way which is which was really refreshing so like i said it's on hulu i got another half a season to watch uh of course they end on a dun 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 type of what's going on with this relationship at this point do the next season to find out everything that goes wrong so it's a lot of fun. I suggest everybody check it out. So with that, I am going to turn it over to Chris. Hi. Now, the opening comment that you made 
Um, does that sort of set the tone for the episode that we were watching? <laughs> <laughs> like in one way, yes, and in one way, not at all, right? Uh, yeah. All right, all right. So um, <laughs> we we've started get being introduced to the saviors, who are a bunch of dickbags who are just like, give us half your shit, and we won't kill you. Like just running a protection racket. They're assholes. Apparently, there's a handful of towns around uh, the area where Rick and and everyone have settled in Alexandria. So um, they've run into the saviors a few times, and um, this is kind of like a, a, a downbeat episode. Two two different factions are going on runs. You've got Daryl, Rosita, and Doctor Chick who are going out on a run. Uh, Denise, Do- Denise, for those of you who know character names. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not one of them. That's Mrs. Uh, Doctor Chick to you, okay? Mrs. Mrs. Doctor Chick. She's not married. <laughs> Ms. Doctor Chick. There you go, feminism. She's uh, she, they're going out on a run because uh, she knows somewhere where she thinks there's a bunch of medication. Um, then uh, Eugene and Abraham also go out on a separate run, uh, because Eugene wants to show Abraham something. So, uh, they head out, um, Eugene... But it's not his dick-biting skills. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Not on purpose, anyways. <laughs> so they go out, um, and Eugene shows, uh, Abraham this place, and Abraham's all like, what the hell are you gonna do here? And, and Eugene's all, I'm, I'm gonna make bullets, cause, uh, I have the skill to do that, and this is a, this is like a, a metal refinery type place, like, I can make bullets here, and that's a huge deal because people are going to need bullets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I ass- hooray! I would assume that they're by now running out of ammunition. You would think, but they seem to keep finding it. Like yeah. they are always saying, "Like oh, we're low on it," but they never like ran out at any point. Well, it seems that um, their cache, like Rick's group, having a bunch of ammo is a rarity. Like the other group that they ran into, they have no ammo. Like they're using bows and arrows and shit because they have no ammo. Um, so it is, it is pr- one of their commodities that they have that other towns are going to want to trade with them for. Uh, and so Eugene came up with this plan to make more bullets. So good on Eugene. And Eugene's also trying very hard to, uh, assert himself. He is, uh, he's not really rocking the, the, the mullet style as much. He's, um. Oh, that's big, Eugene. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Abraham's big, uh, big redheaded guy who mm-hmm. says some really amusing shit. Yeah, um, he had something. He said something else about trying to pick up a turd from the clean end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, better truck down and trying to pick up a turd from the clean end. Oh boy, fun, fun, fun. So meanwhile, um, Ms. Doctor Chick, Daryl, and Rosita are out and about, and uh, they go and they find this place. And uh, Ms. Doctor Chick, she makes like, a handful of dumb decisions, like she goes into a like. With this closet that clearly has a walker in it, and she just she's trying to face her fears or some other shit like that. But they find a whole butt ton of medicine, so hooray for them uh, and finding all this medicine. So it was a good call that Ms. Doctor Chick pointed them out in this direction, and we start to get a little backstory from her. And and uh, one of the things is that this was her first trip out into the world. Like she's never left Alexandria since the whole zombie apocalypse happened, so she hasn't really been exposed to just how fucked up the world is. And in that room, she sees, like, uh, an empty crib. Um, there was a walker on the floor that was, like, all kinds of decomposed and shit. But it had written, hush, 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 on the wall. And then she looked over into this sink full of blood, and there was, like, a child's foot sticking out of it. It was like, 
Oh, okay. So these two were locked in a closet and the parent was trying to get the baby to shut up or uh, to be quiet. And it was just a fucked up scene. And that, that like really, she just kind of lost her shit. So they start leaving town and um, they, they, they get on their medicine. They move on. Go back over to uh, Eugene and um, uh, redheaded dude, Abraham. Um the, the, Eugene's trying to assert himself a bit more and he tells Abraham his services are no longer required. So Abraham, you know, is just like, all right, fine. Peace out, bitch. Uh, I'm, I'm out of here. And, uh, so the two of them have a little fight. Yeah. You know, a little, little, little bitchiness back and forth. Yeah. Abraham's like, find your own way home, dick. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, then we flash back over to, uh, Rosita and crew and, uh, Rosita, Daryl and Ms. Dr. Chick are, are walking home. They take this route on the train tracks. And, um, Miss Dr. Chick, she's been on this, like, mad rush to get orange soda for a while now. and <laughs> Because uh, her girlfriend likes it. Yeah, her girlfriend digs orange soda. So she's all about trying to, trying to find some orange soda. So she's, they're walking past this car, and there's a walker in it, and you get a little jump scare. And she's like, oh, there's a, there's a cooler in there. It might have something useful. And Daryl and Rosita are just like, nah, it's not worth it. Let's go. And she decides, nah, nah, fuck this. I'm going for it. So she goes, you know, breaks into the car, gets tackled by the walker. It looks like she's going to get bit. She gets on top. Uh, Daryl and Rosita show up and they're all like, oh, we're going to save you. And she's like, no, got this. And sure as shit, she did. You know, I'm thinking, oh, this is the point where she's going to bite it. And no, she didn't. Um, She survived. She uh killed the walker. She got the cooler, which just happened to have a can of orange soda in there. And she went on this whole thing about how important it was and facing fears and Doing all this, like, you know, great talking, and mid-sentence, an arrow sticks out of her eye, and she falls over dead. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but I... <laughs> it was one of those moments that struck you so odd that, like, at first you you might, like, you might laugh just because it came completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just, like, complete, well... She wait, was really what? making a strong point about how, like... She was out there to face her own fears because she felt like that was going to be her way to, like, survive in this world. As if she faced her fears, then she would be able to, like, do better at pretending to be a doctor because she's not really a doctor. Yeah. She's, she's had some medical training, whatever. But she then, like, turned on Daryl and Rosita and was like, you guys are, like, already strong, but you don't fucking face your fears. And in the middle of that, like, kind of strong, powerful statement, it was like, yeah, like the arrow just like comes out of her eye, and she keeps talking, but then she just kind of talks slower until she's dead. Like it's, um, few, like the last few words of her sentence left her brain and kind of got interrupted on their way to their mouth. Yeah, Jesus. So she falls over dead. They're ambushed by a whole crew uh, that that captured Eugene, and so they've got Eugene like you know on his knees all, you know, more or less, you know, hands behind his back or whatever, like, you're gonna take us to your village. This is another group of dickbag saviors, including one with a burnt face who I think ran into Daryl earlier. It was the one who stole Daryl's bike Yeah, it was the one who stole Daryl's bike and crossbow. So, he, sh obviously, he shot the crossbow to, you know, it was you know, I wasn't aiming for uh, Miss Dr. Chick, because apparently he's not very good with the crossbow. <laughs> but, um, so he's got Eugene captive and, um, and he's like, all right, you guys are going to take us back to your your town and give us half your shit and whoever we want to take with us, and or we're just going to kill all of you right now. Because there's like a whole bunch of those guys. And Eugene's all just like, well, if you're going to kill us, you should start with the guy hiding behind the barrels over there because he's an asshole and he deserves to die. 
because he saw Abraham hiding behind the barrels. And sure as shit, they start going over towards the barrels, and then Abraham gets the drop on him because, you know, Eugene the- knew that's what was going to happen. He looks, he, he made eye contact with Abraham and like, all right, we're going to kind of formulate this strategy here as a, as Bugs Bunny would say. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it fucking worked. Uh, there was all kinds of gunshots going on. Um, and so uh, while they were distracted, checking out Abraham, what happened? Uh, that's when Eugene decides to, uh, like they start getting distracted by the gunfire and a Eugene being in the position he is in on his knees, bites the dude's dick, <laughs> just full on, just clamps down and will not let go. There's Seriously, screaming, there's waggling, on. there's tugging. He, he is, he is a dog with a bone. <laughs> he will not <laughs> let go. Oh, really? Nice one, that babe. was low hanging nice fruit one. right there. No, it was great. <laughs> no, it was hanging right in front of his face, which is why he bit it <laughs> and did not let go. It was fantastic. And, um, uh, so in the end, those guys ran away. Daryl got his, um, uh, crossbow back. Eugene got shot. Uh, it was more just like a graze. They were able to safely get him back. And as he's laying there in the, uh, laying there in the, uh, now dead doctor's office, uh, Abraham looks him square in the face and says, You know how to bite a dick, Eugene. And I meant that with the utmost respect. <laughs> <laughs> this was a fun episode. I mean, obviously, we had a character death. This wasn't a character I was particularly attached to. I was a little sad to see her go just because. You know, she's not died so many times before this. You know, it's like she's had a couple of run-ins with other people in the past. She's the doctor. She was kind of useful, and she was yeah. she was all right. You know, I didn't I didn't mind her as a character, so I was kind of sad to see her go. What was interesting to me is that this played out. This whole episode was really close to the comics in a lot of ways. Um, well, but it was Abraham that got the arrow right. through the eye, like and and fell over dead mid mid sentence, and it was like really really close to that because it was during that whole thing where eugene was bringing abraham out to show him the the bullet making depot thing um right and instead they they killed uh, miss doctor lady and uh apparently i looked this up uh before doing the show eugene did in fact bite that dude's dick in the comic too i just <laughs> i don't remember that part i remember the abraham getting the arrow through the eye although i thought it was a, a shot through the head like a bullet through the head um, I didn't remember it being an arrow, but I remember him just like talking and then all of a sudden he, his words slowed down and he was dead because he had a hole in his head. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good episode. Um, oh, and then like out of fucking nowhere at the end, this weird callback with Carol, like Carol's been going through a lot of weird shit in the last couple episodes about killing people and, uh, like she doesn't feel good about it. It's like, oh, all right, I get it. You don't feel good about killing people. Go team. But, um, a while back, Rick exiled her. Mm-hmm. And she like brings this up again. She's like, you know, Rick asked me to leave a long time ago. And the only reason I came back was because of a whole bunch of bizarre circumstances. But I've been here too long. I'm leaving again. And so she did. Um, that was the end of the episode was Carol decided to leave, except they also did this weird, long pan, like just straight shot of Morgan's face looking at something like. I don't know what that was about. I don't know what the significance is. I know her, him and Carol have had like some philosophical things and maybe Morgan got into Carol's head about the whole killing people thing. I right. don't know. Like, but was it was it, just... Morgan was the one that was anti-killing. Yes. yes. Very Carol much so. was the one that was like, I'm going to kill you. I will kill everyone to keep people safe. 
Okay. And now she's just having this crisis of conscience. Like, it was just it, like last episode, she had to kill a bunch of people. Like, she killed some folk because <laughs> she had to. It was her and Maggie. They were captured by the saviors. And that's a dumb idea. You don't want to capture Carol and Maggie. And if you do, you want to kill them immediately, if not sooner. Because <laughs> she broke out and she fucking killed every one of them. She even, the, the one girl that was like in charge of everything, she told her, you need to leave because I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm giving you an out. Leave. And then she didn't. And then later in the episode, it's like, I told you, you need to leave. And she's like, no, nah, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then Carol fucking killed her. Because, oops. <laughs> What are you gonna do? Like, you know, I just, she did give her fair warning. That's she very, did. Very she true. had she had all the warning, she, all the warning in the world. So, I, it's going good. I'm liking. I'm still liking the season. I'm digging it. I'm liking this this back half of the season more than the first half where it was like reliving the same day from all those different perspectives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe if I was marathoning it, I would like it. I would like that better. But just from a week to week thing, I think the second this second half has been real strong. So right, you're getting you're getting more story. Week more week. good story, more bang for your buck. Um, you know, they're building up the saviors. Well, you know what? That, that's the thing. I have a healthy respect for the saviors because, um, in the comic books, they're just straight up dangerous from the get go. Um, but they're kind of chumps in the TV show. Like, yeah, the first so time far. you saw them, they got blown up. Like, they've they have lost every single time against Rick and his crew. Um, I guess uh, when they went to go, like, yeah, they they more or less lost in the end. When they went to go, like, kill them all in their sleep, they kind of got away with it, you know. Good for them. But, uh, I, I mean, I know something's coming. Like, there's a big character death coming in the comic book. They've they've cast a Negan, who is the next big villain-type character. When is he supposed to be showing up? How long I don't know, but there's two only two episodes left in the season. Yeah, um, if I had to venture a guess, he's showing up, like, the last shot of the season finale or some bullshit like that. Because, you know, that's the way they cook these things. Right. But, um, yeah, there's I know there's a bunch of big stuff coming, and um, we're, we're, we're building towards it okay, but I, I want to see the Saviors win a little bit more. I want to see them be uh, on more equal footing. Though I did think it was very interesting in the, the previous episode where the girl in charge was telling Carol, you, you guys aren't the good guys, you know. And, like, well, you're, you're kind of not wrong, like... I mean, first right. off, you're wrong, because they're not the ones that are going to villages and saying, give us half your shit because we said so, because uh, that makes you the bad guys. Right. <laughs> like, just bar none, that's not really an argument. You're dicks, and you're being fuckfaces, well, it's, it's and you deserve to die. dickitude. Yeah, these guys are, you know, they want to coexist with people. Like, that's their thing. They want to coexist. What they're good at is, you know, being mercenaries. And so they went off and killed these fuckers in their sleep, which was really kind of grungy when you, you, you just, <laughs> we're going to sneak into this compound. We're going to kill all you in your sleep. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty grungy. It's not, you know, running a protection racket for a series of villages in the fucking zombie apocalypse when there's not a whole lot of humans left to begin with, but uh, it's still pretty, pretty, you know, bad form. So. I don't know. It's all interesting. It's, it's, it's bringing up some good points. It's just a lot of fun, you know, some good, good, good action, good zombie killing. Not a lot of meandering. I'm, I'm happy. I'm pleased. Good. Good. It sounds like it picked am, up a little bit. Yeah. I am, I am the one thing I'll say is I feel like I don't want to lose Carol. Uh, Melissa McBride is doing such a fantastic job with that character. I'd hate to see her off the show. Uh, I, 
at the same time, I don't see, like, sending her away again and then bringing her back again. Like, she's already gone away and come back once, so... Well, that's, that's also a different set of circumstances. She was sent away. Now she's choosing. This time she left. And yeah. maybe she's right. got to get her head right or do something. Don't, I don't know. I'm still of the mind that she's the one who's going to get it. Like, general spoiler talk. In the comic books, Negan kills somebody just, you know, as an example. Negan, yeah, to make a point. Negan kills Glenn in front of everyone. Just be, like, not for any reason other than I need to make a point and you look like somebody somebody cares about. So you drew, you drew the short straw, you're dead right now. Right in front of pregnant Maggie and everything. Uh, I don't think they're going to kill Glenn in the TV show like that. I just don't think it's going to happen because they've been doing all this switching things around so much. And if it's not Glenn, who's it going to be that's going to have an impact? It's not going to be Daryl. Daryl is unkillable because Daryl is why people watch the show. Mm-hmm. Like, you kill off Daryl, you are going you to lose your audience. a big chunk of the audience. And, like, there's no way around that. And they have to know it. Um, they're not going to kill Rick or Carl because it's the Rick and Carl show. Like, <laughs> they're the main, they are main characters. They are, they're fucking plot and devices it's, it's, supreme. It's, everything that you're saying is true and correct. And it's funny because you always hear in news reports or, or reviews of the show, oh, no one is safe. You know, they killed this person. So that means no one. No, there are certain people that are safe. And in my opinion, there are th- exactly three people who are safe. Daryl, Rick, and Carl. I believe You those don't are the think only- Michonne is safe? Nah, I don't. Huh. I mean, it's possible that they kill her, but I think that they're going to keep her around because she seems to be filling the Andrea role. And Andrea is still alive in the comic books. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't think she's as safe as Daryl. I think she's up there in the Pantheon. I think that would be a good candidate for someone to kill that would really piss your audience off and make them hate Negan. But I also think if they kill Michonne, they're not going to, like, people aren't going to stop watching the show, not the same way as, like, Daryl. Um, I just feel like, um, in, less in terms of, like, audience um, being attached to, and more in terms of, like, a character you could actually somehow kill. I, I just don't think you can kill Michonne. Hmm. Like if I'm a if if I'm a big fucking badass in that world and I try and kill somebody, it's not going to be Michonne. Well, I mean, if you think about the scene where he does it, like it wasn't a matter of anyone overpowering anybody else. I understand that. Well, it, you could also look at it that as opposed to just making a statement, he's he takes out the biggest threat to him. Yeah, true. I mean. I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't necessarily outside think of that Rick she's unkillable. And, and, and Daryl, which are probably the biggest threats to him and his way of going about things, physically, probably Michonne would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the reason in the book he didn't kill Rick was because he Rick was in charge. Mm-hmm. And, and he wanted to do business with the man in charge. So he had to take something away from Rick. And so he took away someone that was special to him. That in this case would very, very particularly be Michonne, since the two of them have, uh, have gotten together now. But I honestly think that that person's. I honestly think Negan's going to kill off Carol. That's what. That's that's. I mean that that does make sense with in terms of like you know Hollywood and like oh we're going to get rid of this character this she's going to be off the show so we might as well give it give her a big exit because that lets us kill somebody important that we're we were going to be done mm-hmm. with anyway. What I was saying about Michonne is just I can't conceive of her death. Like, I can't think of a way that they would kill her that I would buy. 
Well, oh, okay. I, okay. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm following you there. Like, I just like. I just don't like. You can't, you I can't could... see Negan going aggro with a baseball bat. I, I can see it. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't see it. I can see it. I just can't him be. I can see him going after her. I just can't see him being successful. Hmm. I I think that she's wily enough that something would happen. That she would figure something out. That somebody would intervene. Something would happen. Hmm. I'm not saying I think she's more valuable than Glenn or Daryl or anybody else. I'm just I'm just saying like there's something about that character that I feel like that's not how she's gonna go out. I hope you're right. I mean, if I'm remembering the scene correctly, it was there was there was no way out. It was you know, it, it, you you have it was like eight people surrounded by a, an army, and if anything slips up, everyone's fucking dead. And then it was just like he's just walking around back and forth, and it's like you thwap, 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 dead. So I think I I don't know. I, I hope you're right, as I wouldn't want to see that happen to Michonne. I don't want to see that scene in general. I'm very curious how AMC is going to handle it, because it was, it was grotesque. It was, it was horrifying. Um, cause like, you know, he beats his skull in, and like, he's still yelling Maggie's name, cause he's got just enough consciousness with his shattered skull to, to like cry for her, and he just beats him to death. It's, was one of the most brutal things I've ever read. I'm very curious how they're going to handle it on the show, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. There's there's this strong possibility that they'll just negate that part because they have done that as well. All right. uh, Karen, let's let's, let's uh, move on to some lighter fare, I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Let's turn from the gruesome to the uh, sublime, I guess. (laughs) Oh, it's the Nashville wedding that everyone, question mark, has been waiting for. I know I have. (laughs) I mean, seriously, the ABC ran these promos for when the show was coming back. It's the wedding America's been waiting for. The whole country has been waiting for. First of all, the whole fucking country doesn't watch your show, so settle down. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even on, like, it's on the endangered show list right now. Like, it's... This is not something America's been waiting for. I think what they were trying to get across in the ads is that everybody in the world of the show has been waiting for this wedding their entire lives because these two characters that got married have been, like, dancing around each other for, like, 20 years. But in terms of the show, like, the proposal happened in the last episode before their hiatus, which was in December. So three months have passed for the audience. (laughs) And in the time of the show, one month has passed. <laughs> like, they had one month to set up this wedding. The wedding so of I the century. I don't know. Like, I just don't like the whole The whole world has been waiting for this. It's just, are, are, you're killing me here. Who's getting married? Oh, it's Raina and uh, Deacon. Oh. Raina is the, the heroine of the show. And Deacon is her longtime. Uh, you know, she's had a troubled love with him over the last 20, 25 years. Because... Uh, He's an alcoholic, and uh, he didn't get his shit together when when they were young, and so she left him and married somebody else and had a couple kids. Except that her older daughter turned out to be Deacon's kid. <laughs> that what? she uh, she cheated on her she cheated on her husband with the guy she really loved, Deacon. And then had to, her first. And then born. never never t- yeah her firstborn and never told him that he was her daughter until recently. 
Uh, so she's got one daughter by one guy and one the younger daughter by her ex, her now ex-husband. That's a whole other thing. He's in jail now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not even going to get into Teddy with you guys because it's ridiculous. Um, so Raina and Deacon are getting married, uh, and that's really the whole episode. Um, in terms of Raina, she's dealing with the fact that there's a whole lot of like she's like the biggest country star in the world in in this show, okay. and so uh, all the paparazzi want to know what's going on with her wedding, and <clears throat> uh, and she just wants to keep it like private, family and friends, and so she's trying to keep it locked down as much as possible. Um, and then at the last minute, like the like literally the night before, somehow. The location gets leaked, and so the wedding planner has to work overnight to, like, move the location and call all the guests and, like, you're going to park here, and then you're going to take a bus, and and you have to, you know, check your cell phone at the door. (laughs) Completely ridiculous. This wedding planner, by the way, the worst wedding planner I have ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to why she's the worst, but she was not great. Uh, uh, there's a, uh, there's a point where Deacon gets cold feet. There's all these, th- like, he's always had this torturedness about him. And, uh, you know, the closer he gets to, uh, happiness, the more he tends to self-sabotage. So that runs through this episode and it's really ridiculous and kind of boring because, like, we've seen it a bunch of times and, you know, they're going to get married. So I don't know what they were trying to pull um other than ratings yeah but i I think that's maybe why the show's ratings is are is are struggling is like we've we know that we've seen this before like they're treating us like we're dumb and we're gonna fall for this but we're not gonna fall for it and this is where the the horrible wedding planner comes in because while he is like awol and you know off having his little crisis of consciousness (laughs) The wedding planner comes into the bridal suite and she's like, do you know where your future husband is? Oh, Jesus. If the groom is missing, you never tell the bride until, like, you have to. Wow. Even Worst. I know that. <laughs> um, so, meanwhile, both of the daughters um, suddenly seem to have a problem with the wedding. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you're getting married... And it's your second marriage, and you're marrying somebody who's like one kid's real biological father, but not the other ones. You should probably have a talk with your kids before you set the whole goddamn thing up. Right. You know, a little family powwow. Get all <laughs> exactly. of your ducks in a row. Because both girls, I mean, one, you know, one girl's concern was kind of made up, but the other ones was kind of valid, which is like, uh, you know, the new husband is is the older daughter's biological father, so she feels like... You know, it's going to be those three are the real family, and she's going to be left out. And she's a little kid. She's, like, ten. So, (laughs) this is something that should have been addressed, like, way in the beginning of the planning. But instead, it came up the morning of the wedding. But Raina had a talk with her daughters and made everything better, and that's fine. And Deacon showed up, and, like, the wedding went off without a hitch, and... This is the one thing that drives me crazy about the show is like they just manufacture a lot of drama. And then by the end of whatever, 43 minutes, everything is 
wraps up exactly the way it's supposed to. <laughs> Drama free. Um, so the wedding went off. There was some comic relief with some of the, you know, s- more minor characters. Uh, there's, um, uh, Juliet was the sort of younger up and, c- not up and coming. She's, she's, she's a big star, but she's, she's the Hayden, younger generation. Right? That, um, that's Hayden. That's Hayden yeah, okay. Panettiere. And, uh, she's took a leave of absence from the show to go into, uh, um, rehab for postpartum depression so she still hasn't come back but uh she's going to be coming back to the show like probably in the next episode so she's gone and in the like story she and her husband are separated they haven't divorced yet like they're he he got her to sign over her parental rights to their daughter uh in exchange for her for him not telling people that she's in rehab. Oh, Jesus. Um, and he's got to, like, act, like, you know, towards the public, like, they're still together. So this is a big public event for him, and he spends the whole wedding, like, drinking his face off because he has to, like, lie to everyone in the world. Oh, she's, you know, traveling in Europe for work. She couldn't get away. And, oh, yes, we're very happy, and we've been spending time at home with our daughter, and... <laughs> right. he, he just has to lie all these and then by the end of it he's like really destroyed and it was it was upsetting for me because this character has come a long way from like he was really despicable in the first season and then he's gone in through this great character development arc to like be one of the most lovable people on the show and he's just totally destroyed by everything he's been through so somebody please take care of Avery because <laughs> he's sweet and he needs taken care of um, oh, and there was a great scene right at the end, like after the wedding, he came home to their nanny um, and he's talking to her about having gone through all of this. And when he gets home, she is sitting there reading a book, waiting for him to get home. And the book is uh, it's called The Royal We. Uh, it's written by the, a pair of fashion bloggers um, that I actually follow in real life. And it's a real book and it's supposed to be pretty good. So. <laughs> If you get a chance, check out the Royal Wee. <laughs> little plug for the Fug Girls there. Nice. Uh, and then the one like last little like bit of crazy, and this is like a little bit of crazy that I enjoy, as opposed to like the manufactured drama that really wasn't fun. I think I mentioned there was a character death earlier in the season. Guy fell off a roof trying to stop Juliet from jumping. Right, he flung himself like through inertia. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. I remember his, that. <laughs> his girlfriend, um, first of all, there was supposed to have been no witnesses to this. So all anyone really knows is that he died from, you know, hitting the sidewalk after having <laughs> previously stopping. been on top of the building. <laughs> so everyone thinks he jumped and committed suicide. And because nobody's seen it and nobody has come forward. Turns out there was one guy who saw it. It was another country star's son who was, uh, he was drunk, he was underage drinking and he shouldn't have been, which is why this, you know, they don't want that information to come out. So this story, and that's part of this story. So that hasn't come out, Uh but he was outside and he saw the whole thing. So the guy who's died's girlfriend has been really upset that he died. And she's been out of the public eye for a while and been really upset about it. And she's finally like, come back 
to the world just in time for the wedding. Because she's on Raina's label, so she wants to show up and support her for the wedding. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to get over it. I'm really starting to move on. I'm really starting to be okay. Well, the kid is the boyfriend of one of the daughters of the woman who's getting married. Holy Jesus. So he's, he's there at the wedding, too. And he's never had a chance to, like, be in the same room with her. He really wants to tell her what really happened, but he's never been alone in the same place with her. So he finally gets a chance to tell her he saw what happened, and she just fucking loses it. She's like, you know, turns white as a sheet, and she's like, um, thanks very much for telling me, and, like, runs away and throws up in the bathroom. And then the next time you see her, she's, like, wide-eyed crazy, why? And Why? She, she's just like now on a mission to get to Juliet because she blames Juliet for uh for this guy's death. Oh. So and she and since Avery uh, Juliet's husband has been lying about the fact that they're still together, she thinks that the way to get to Juliet is by getting Avery to produce a record for her. So now they're like setting that up for. Some oh, sort of. So when you say get at her, you don't mean like physically. Yeah, not like I don't know what she. I don't know what her plan is. Oh. All I know is she got the crazy eye. <laughs> like she got that little. This is gonna going be on. good. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever is whatever is going on with her. Like if this was a real situation, she should clearly stay as far away from this person as possible until she's had a lot of therapy. <laughs> but that's this isn't the real world. So. Oh no. She's she's going to get all mixed up with that, and it's going to be fucking a train wreck, and I can't wait. <laughs> see, that's what I like about TV, when you look forward to the train wreck. You know it's coming, and you, oh, can, yeah. see, you can see the light. It's it's heading towards you, and you just wait for it. So, good so, stuff. So, yeah. There was a, I mean, it's the friggin' wedding of the century, which I guess they had to get out of the way, and uh, it was a lot of setup for... I feel like what's going to be a really interesting back half of this season. I mean, it's a little early to be claiming the century. It's only, what, 16 years in? I don't know if they said the century. Oh, okay. (laughs) But whatever. The the first half of the season was only 10 episodes. And, you know, they they sort of, I think, juggled the schedule to accommodate Hayden Panettiere's recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of season left. Like, some shows only have, like, you know eight episodes or six episodes left they have like 14 episodes left oh really um maybe 12 but still they have a good chunk of their season left and uh i can't wait to see what happens okay cool stuff good 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 um all right so we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we are gonna discuss the awesomeness oh i'm sorry that was a spoiler we're gonna discuss netflix's daredevil season two and all the gloriousness that it was. I can't help it. It's, it was... Oh. <sighs> Stay tuned. The Venture Brothers season finale is aired. And that means the Spoiler Brothers finale is right there alongside it. Everyone has come so far this season, but has that overarching feeling of dread paid off? Did Dr. Venture finally meet his end? Has the Blue Morpho been unmasked? Is the Red Death really the best at what he does? Find out in the final installment, for a while at least, of the Spoiler Brothers. Red means stop. The Geekade Nation of Domination is coming to a close. Sadly, the Driver Dudes are moving on to different pastures, but they've got one last episode to say goodbye with. 
We're going to miss them, but we're sure that if you look, they'll always be with you in spirit. Don't miss Geekade's farewell episode of Tiger Driver 91, episode 43. They haven't told me what it's called yet. There's a new episode of Paper Cuts, and it's quite a special one. Dean got drunk. Very drunk. Then everybody talked about comic books, we think. It seems that Dean survived the experience, so there's that. But if you want to hear about Dean's drinking, International Iron Man number one, Lords of the Jungle number one, and more, listen to Paper Cuts issue 76, St. Patrick's Day Accomplished. Alex and Ed of Robot Nightmare have created our very first Video Geek Aid Top 10. What's this video about? Audio, of course. Robot Nightmare counts down their favorite video game soundtracks of all time. And the list might not be what you expected. There's some very eclectic choices on there. Head over to the Geek Aid YouTube channel and check out Geek Aid Top 10 favorite video game soundtracks featuring Robot Nightmare. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. And thankfully, we have one of the most anticipated shows to talk about. Season 2 of Daredevil has hit Netflix this past Friday, right? Yes. The 18th. Remember that because I had a, a, a work thing to do that kept me from being home till about nine thirty at night. I did still make it through the whole season in the week during the weekend, but all I kept saying is, as I'm at a work function, is you know I really don't like these people enough to be missing the Daredevil stuff. So, um, I'm gonna let you guys carry this a little bit because I don't want to accidentally give anything away. I don't want this to be spoiled for you at all because I like you two. For everybody else, not really too caring. <laughs> um, this the the only things that I want to say about the show are it's it's more of the same goodness. They have just taken everybody's character and stepped it up a notch. Um, Foggy is ridiculous this season. I think they stepped up Foggy more than one notch. Well, okay. Yeah, Foggy's fantastic. I will say that uh, Ben Yurick, he's not he's not faring too well this season. I don't no, think yes, Ben, uh, really ben Yurick is a problem. Much. But they're really not writing him very well this year. Their replacement for Ben Yurick is very very good. And well, Electra, yeah, I mean they both have similar outfits, but <laughs> you see. This is the problem with you only watching five episodes. <laughs> no, this is the problem with him being a smartass. Um, yes, we will be talking about the first five episodes. Cause that's as far as, as we got. So be fair warned, listeners. And the unfortunate part on my end, that's why I'm saying you have to carry because it has all blended into one fucking 11 hour session of Daredevil for me. I don't know. I don't fully remember certain key points um by looking at the quick synopsi on on uh, what is this imdb the daredevil punisher and electra you got all three within the first five episodes we did okay um barenthal i don't yes. know oh jesus i don't know how much acting you've seen him do well, 
no. Shane, Walking Dead. No, 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 no. I mean, seasons. I mean him as the Punisher. As the oh, Punisher. as the Punisher. Yes. Yeah. The Hulls, you know, shit in the graveyard, man. It's awesome. Okay, so shit in the graveyard. He was, you know, basically telling his life story. You know, talking about his kids and. Okay, so after Matt saved him, he was dead. Okay, fuck. So he got he got turned over to the cops. He did. Yes. All right. That was the scene where he got turned. Okay. And that's where we have basically left off with Punisher, okay. as far as we've seen. Okay. So there is a, a a bunch more that shows like a, a, a phenomenal character piece in Punisher. Like he, I don't know where he found this because this is what not what I recall of him from The Walking Dead. I don't remember him being this good of an actor. Am I? Way off base. Uh, for me, it's been too long since seeing him on Walking Dead to remember what how good he was. I, I think it was. I mean, it was it was such different material because he was he was a little one dimensional as a character on there because you know in the comic they killed him off within a couple of issues and they kept him around and he just kind of kept getting crazier and crazier. But I remember like I remember some very like affecting scenes with him, like the scene when. Um, uh, the little girl walked out of the, uh, Sophia walked out of the barn and mm-hmm. he was just like waving the gun around, like yelling at everyone, like, this is, this is why this shit is stupid. They are not people. Like, it was because they were still having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was very effective, uh, in the scenes that he was in. Well, the, but the, it was nothing compared to what I'm seeing of him as Punisher. He has like, definitely taken it to the next level. Uh, this is just, I mean, like, the first season of Daredevil, I thought, was remarkable with just incredible acting from everyone involved, and this season is is absolutely no different. Like, every, just, and, and I and I and I tell you this: every character that shows up, a lot of returning characters show up. Everybody is knocking it out of the park, and even like the the sub minor characters, like we we. There's a little deal with the the newspaper, so you get to see that bearded dude again. Yeah, yeah, we saw that. Okay, he's doing really well because he didn't have much to do in the first season, but he has a good chunk in this one. Um, the I'm not 110 on how I feel about Electra. I don't like her as a car. Well, I I I'm talking about in comparison to the comic book version. Oh, okay. The 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 Electra that we saw in the movies with Jennifer Garner was not Electra from the comic book world. Like they yeah, stay, not so much. they stay very. It seems that they are trying and they're doing a. I'm gonna say like a nine and a half out of ten job on staying true to the comic book characters themselves. Um, she is. It's been so long since I've read like a solid Electra story that she's not like a tertiary character that I can't remember her, her personality, but I think that she is doing a good job in being a character that is dislikable. Yeah. I think, um, I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with her as a comic book character. Um, but the little experience that I do have, uh, reading stuff with her was, um, I mean, really just the, the whole consensus of her was that she wasn't specifically a hero. She was a kind of a 
bad influence, like a bit of an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's the seems, draw. That was the 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 get from all of Daredevil's cohorts. It would they they treaded that line of hero and anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Punisher in this show feels that he is doing the right thing, but he knows it's the wrong thing. That but he would still do it again and again and again if he had to. Like it's 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 a weird dichotomy with that character because uh, all right, let's start at the beginning. End of last season, Fisk gets thrown in jail. Okay, so now that crime boss, that job that he had, is now there's a void, and all the other clans are starting to war, if you will, over taking over for that lost leader. Um, and the- I thought, if I could jump in for Again. a second, I thought they did a great job, a great thing, um, pretty early in first or second episode, where they set up the Irish mob as like. Oh, this is going to be the new big bad. Like, mm-hmm. we hadn't seen Punisher yet, and we had just seen these guys, and and if, they were having like a meeting, a backroom meeting, where they were like, "We're going to take over the whole fucking city and get all the money and blah blah blah," <laughs> and then just bullets start flying through the window, killing. That was everybody. the first first episode, if I'm not mistaken. Like and first they just minutes did a, of the episode, <laughs> they just did a great job of like making you think. Oh, here you go. Here's your new big bad. Nope. No, and and they spend a good portion of the time of three episodes making you believe that the Punisher is the bad, and then yes, they flip that to make you feel for him because of mm-hmm. what he has gone through. Um. He is a decorated vet uh, whose family was killed, and he is avenging them. That's pretty much what he's doing. And That's, that part of the story is really interesting to me. What the the part that Karen is digging into as you know, as we finished the the last of the five episodes, that something happened to his family. Something's going on. Somebody's covering something up. Yeah, and that it, is really interesting. It gets to me. pretty deep. It gets, she, they, you find, and that's the one thing I like about this show. There's very little questions left unanswered in both seasons so far. Um, by the end of this season, you know everything and are still left wondering what's going to happen next, which is exactly what the show should be doing. They're doing it perfectly. Um, all the like I said before, all the tertiary characters, Foggy, Karen, uh, newspaper guys—they're all up. They like their their acting skills and parts are now up there with Matt and 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 the Punisher and even Electra. Like they are just as important in this season as the rest of the main characters. Like they have become main characters of the show. Um. I, I, I kind of feel like they were a lot of that, and I felt like they were very main characters in the first season, too. I think it was one of the things that I liked. One of the reasons I liked Daredevil a bit more than I liked Jessica Jones was besides just liking the character better, I was so much more interested in everything that the tertiary characters, like the side characters that weren't just Matt Murdock, 
were doing. Like, I was so invested in their stories. Right. But their, like, okay, Foggy, for example, his personal story in season one revolved around Matt. Okay, like their relationship, what's going on between uh, Matt and him and so on and so forth. Karen's thing the first season was the first half was like pseudo damsel in distress mm-hmm. and then her coming to her own in this second season they like you didn't need daredevil for them like that character could have been taken out of the show and you could have still showed karen and foggy the karen and foggy show it would still would have been an interesting show i see what you're saying um which is great it, it see that's what the, like what I love about the Netflix theory. Like I get all of this. Like they could take their time because all of it is available. Like if they were to spend too much time on the Karen and Foggy show, I people would get upset if they had to watch it week to week. Yeah, and it's also it's like they're making a season. Period. It's not we're gonna you know start a season. See how the I ratings hope we go. Get to the end. Are we going to get renewed? Are we going to go full order? Anything like that? Like, no, it's just you get this many episodes, make them. They're done. They're all released. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I like that. It, it makes. I think it just makes for better storytelling. Yeah, because then you you know exactly what you have to work with. Like you don't necessarily know if you're getting a second season, but I mean that's just kind of the that's a part of the nature of the beast you can't really cut out. But the Netflix model, I just think, makes so much more sense from a creative standpoint to just be able to write your story beginning, middle and end, do it and then be done. Uh, and then start working on the next chapter. You know, if that next chapter is going to exist, like I just, it's a, such a better model than this whole, you know, uncertainty. Are you going to get a chance to write your, to, to wrap up all of your storylines? Like you've got to be, kind of open nebulous with some of these things more so than you have to. I mean, look at a show like lost, like oh. lost had a, a trajectory. And then ABC said, we could run this for 10 more years. And they were like, we don't have fucking 10 years of material. And then they had to stretch right. and they started throwing in all this other shit in there and it got all convoluted. And then by the time it was done, the show was a mess mm-hmm. and everybody hated it and everybody hated it. And it's a shame because had that show been given exactly what it wanted to do like what their creators wanted to do it probably would have ended a lot stronger like they, they would have gotten to where they were going and been able to tell the story exactly the way that they were going to but you know network tv politics got into the mix that is no it, it, there's just none of that in this netflix stuff there's no room for it it doesn't it can't exist by the very nature of the beast and that is fantastic and it's given us these these great marvel shows and other shows that are Netflix exclusives that I haven't watched because we don't have a time machine. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, you hear so much good stuff about, you know, Netflix original series. And I think it's, it has a lot to do with the way it just the very nature of it that the, the quality can be as good as it is. In, in, I think Netflix really understands the creative process a lot know, better than so. whereas, like, you know, traditional TV understands cash right cash yeah it, it almost runs commercial. like like bbc shows do you know like you know doctor who gets a season and then they run that season the end like it's they they don't write shows as in like 
okay, well, this show, we're just going to keep airing it until un, until people stop watching it. They're like, no, this this person wants to make a show, and they have a story they want to tell, so they're going to tell that story. And then when the story's done, that's when it ends, you know? Mm-hmm. Perfect comparison, you know, British office to the American office. Like, the office had a conclusion, and so they filmed the episodes that they were going to make, they ended it, and it was done. And then the American office... It lived long enough to see itself become the villain. Like it got really bad. <laughs> it, and, and then it, it, if you, as you point out, the BBC is another good good example of those that understand the creative process. And guess what? They don't have to worry about money because they're government funded. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are funding Netflix. Right. Our, exactly. Our hard-earned dollars for subscription purposes. That's that's what's making all of this wonder wonderfulness. Now, in thirteen episodes, I can count at least five solid storylines, which Ooh. in thirteen episodes of a regular hour long drama on ABC, five independent, solidly written storylines does not happen. Nope. They can't do it because they have to take that 45 minutes and evenly disperse it between every character so that you get your little bits here and there and whatnot. Like, it, it's just this is the perfect medium for this show and this type of writing. Like, if this writing, I don't even know who writes this show, but if this person was to go over to network television, it wouldn't be as good. No, probably not. But you know, basically going on what you're saying, like I'm, I'm imagining how good Agents of Shield would be if it was on Netflix instead of ABC. Because <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong, I like me some Agents of Shield, but you know, I would really like to see not even like the darker and grittier route. Like it doesn't need to be that. I just I would really like to see them, you know, work their magic without the confines of a of network television. Right. I- yeah, I think another problem with the traditional network model is that they have the they make the most episodes that they think they can get away with in a season, which is generally around 22, 23, and that's too much time for a season worth of story. So there end up being like up and down episodes and some are really mm-hmm. great sometimes, but some are like, Jesus, am I still fucking watching this show? Yeah. yeah the filler space, episodes happen. The space fillers. But there's none of that. There's not a wasted minute in this Daredevil not season. So I, have, I have not felt a moment of my time wasted in watching this show. I mean, no. I wish I was watching it right now. No offense. Well, <laughs> yeah, shut up, Evan. We're going to go turn it on. <laughs> well, this is this is what I would like to do. I would like to actually revisit this once you guys are, are done so that we can get a full how we actually felt about this particular season, not just Daredevil, the ins and outs of this actual season. So I would like to return to this you know, when you guys have finished it up. No, no pressure. No rush. There's plenty of stuff to do. <laughs> Most certainly. Um, um, but I just I will say, having watched the first five episodes, not that we weren't already fans, uh, the show gets my absolute highest recommendation. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, like, the first season, please don't write me hate mail, internet. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't all in as quickly as I was in this season. First, first season, I was like, it took me a couple, a good three, four, maybe five episodes before I was like, Okay, fine. I actually want to like 
I am driven to see what happens next more than, oh, Chris wants to watch it. Okay, it was kind of good. All right, let's watch another one. This this season, season two, I'm just like, oh, my God, another one. Yes, <laughs> now, play. <laughs> the thing with season one, the 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 buzz that was for season was was the season two, or excuse me, the episode two hallway fight. Yes. Which was amazing from a... You know, just a makeup standpoint of how every they- <laughs> standpoint, every conceivable standpoint, that was amazing. It was amazing. Now they are comparing that to season two, episode three's fight with the, it's another. You know, of course, it's a hallway <laughs> scene, but it's it's the it's biker more game. of a stairwell scene. Yeah, I, 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 what was that? The kung fu is that the name of the game? Side scroller back and forth. You just walk up. So a little dude sort of looks like yep, Bruce Lee. Yeah, kung fu. kung fu. I felt that slash kung fu master. Um, now I've read online and you know in the social media universe that that one was just as good, if not better. Oh my! I, I would say better. I don't agree with that. No. No, because as I was, it, it that is not to say that it was in any way, shape, or form bad. Okay, it was fantastic. What I liked best about the first time they did that is, even if it wasn't, it truly felt like a single shot. In the first one was a single shot. Yeah, the second one was not. Was clearly not. And that, to me, took it up a notch because they did all of that without cuts, without breaks. This okay. The guy got really close to the camera. It went black. That means that was a cut. That's and it's fine. It was still well done. Very entertaining. Lots of ass kickery. Fucking Daredevil with a chain attached to his one hand and a gun taped to the other. Stunning. So I'm saying <laughs> that, and I, it was just overall better choreographed. Like, I mean, obviously there were cuts involved and mm-hmm. they had, you know, the, the luxury of television and stuff to do that with. Um, there was a lot of, I just re, I just rewatched season one of Daredevil right before season two came out and rewatching that hallway scene. It's still like it holds, it holds up. Like there were not, there will, it will never be as good as it was the first time I saw mm-hmm. it because you're just watching it like, wow. Right. <laughs> He's still going, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of that that there is a lot of that fight that takes place off camera and a lot of that fight that's not fighting. Which is part of what makes it so impressive. Like, he is gravely injured before going into there. And he just, he attacks as much as he can and then he stops. He leans against the wall. He catches his breath. The bad guys catch a breath. Mm-hmm. And then they go through a door and the camera doesn't move. It's still facing forward, like, you know, moving down the hall, like, incredibly slowly or something. But you just hear a lot of hits and a lot of sound effects. I call it the Scooby Doo effect. Yeah, something like that. And then the characters, you know, bust back in. There was none of that in the stairwell scene. No. It was just and continuous. Continuous, extremely well choreographed um superhero beatdown. Right. Like it was it was really fantastic. So it I I I kind of feel like the two of them even even one another out. I wouldn't call that either one of them more successful than the other because the first one had the technical aspect it had the sheer it's like realistic one of the first brutality seen something like of, that it, exactly it was so like you could tell that it was a fight mm-hmm. it wasn't one guy kicking a bunch of other guys asses 
It was a fight. Matt got hit in that fight like a decent amount. How often do you see a superhero, and I will throw that up in the air because his superpower is extrasensory. Taking a punch. (laughs) And being able to take a hit, really. Um, How often do we see the, the hero get tired? Yeah, like that was that was very cool. Like just seeing him, you know, he got injured before that, and that's something that you know shows do a lot. And something that Agent Carter did um, that I was very impressed with. She got freaking impaled, and she wasn't back in business the next episode. She oh no, had she was to hurting. Sit. <laughs> she was hurting, and I appreciated that. And this show does the same thing. When Matt gets hurt, those those bruises and cuts they stick around for an episode or two. Mm-hmm. The you know, um. This the the show overall has a really good sense of realness in that way. Like, yeah, Matt gets hurt, Matt takes damage and doesn't, you know, recover immediately. All the other characters I feel like are really realistic in their own ways. Like we had that one scene with Claire, the nurse, mm-hmm. uh, where Foggy went to her for help and she was like, Yo, I can't help you. Like <laughs> I give a shit about Daredevil, but I cannot get wrapped up in this shit anymore. It has fucked up my life. Look what happened to me when I helped out Luke Cage. Yeah. And that's exactly what a real person would do, where, like, a TV show would be like, yes, I will help you again because I am on this TV show and we need to keep my character involved somehow, so Mm -hmm. I will willingly go back into the situation. I have faith we're going to see Claire again, but I think the story is going to bring her back in, not that she's going to willingly go back into it. Mm -hmm. I think her reaction is more realistic. Um, And also, uh, you see it in Karen, how she has been really, really affected by the guy she had to kill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is damaged. Yes. And it is not like, it's not just like a thing that like, maybe there was a very special episode all about her one time. And then after that, she's fine. And should we never mention that again? No, you, it's always there running in the background that, that feeling, those feelings she has about that. So I think the show in terms of being, having a grip on reality is great. And you see that in the fights too. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. But I will also say to, to just the, the Marvel universe in general's credit is that they, they did a lot of that stuff with Iron Man too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Stark gets injured. I mean, shit, Iron Man two was about Tony Stark having PTSD from flying through a wormhole in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Was like, that two or three? Oh, that was, that was three. Yeah. Iron Man three was like, he, he was really screwed up by that event. And like they deal with that kind of stuff, and yeah, that's very true. It's so yeah, you don't necessarily see him get as tired. I mean, you do see him, you know, get beat. You see his his armor get beat up and all that other stuff. Uh, not and quite the, um, as tired as Daredevil because he's not a fighter like Daredevil is, right? And in addition to you know Matt, you know, getting hurt in fights, he got, he had that. You know, he got a headshot. He got shot right in the head and it, you know, cracked his helmet. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. he lost his, like, he lost his hearing. Yeah, that was, that was scary. Mm-hmm. That was really like, you, he really acted the shit out of that. Like, <laughs> really did, that did you see him go back to get his helmet fixed? Yes. yes. Okay. Did you see Buzzsaw pick up the blade to defend himself? I did, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. that was. <laughs> See that's another thing that it, I love. it took me it took me a bit to figure out who that character was. I didn't really I didn't even piece it together yeah. until like earlier today that that's Gladiator yeah. and cuz as soon as he pulled down his shirt and showed off his armor and it had like some kind of you know color blocked design I was like 
Okay, he's somebody. Who the fuck it's, is it's he? The, it's, it's his actual name, and I can't. I went looking for it, and I can't remember it. But the his name is the name of Gladiator from the comic books. Yeah, and Gladiator wears armor and has two buzz saws mm-hmm. on his. <laughs> yeah, and like he, he just in a a f- moment of like to defend himself, literally picks up a you know table saw blade. To like, well, he did that in season one too. Yeah. When you're introduced to him, he's throwing saw blades at him. <laughs> this is like, this is, this is what comic book movies and television should be. You know, well done, well written. There's so much that, like, they don't have to make, they don't have to come up with anything. These characters have been around for decades. There are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of stories, and I like, let's say, twenty percent of them are good. Eight percent of them are great. Two percent of them are phenomenal. So, just use that stuff. Okay, there are bits and pieces throughout this season from actual storylines from comic books, which is great. Yes, they take some creative license, but they're pulling from the right areas. Um, the modernization of Punisher was great. You know, Iraq. Um, it just. just there's not a, I can't there's not I can't think of a bad thing to say. Like if I really wanted to be a dick and try to find there's not enough episodes. How's that? That's my another, whole, yes. that's my only complaint. <laughs> another thing that I liked about Punisher is um I don't feel like we got to see in season 1 um somebody went up against Daredevil who was his equal in terms of fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Punisher is in terms of hand-to-hand combat, and so those fights were fucking awesome. The the all of the fights in this season are knockout, drag out, knockdown, drag out fights. All of them. Yeah, seriously. And all that was. I'm really and- not a hundred percent on how long this season takes place. Like in their time, like is it a month? Is it a week? Is it you know whatever? But Matt is constantly bruised and battered. <laughs> At one point in time, I think the story was is that he's a drunk, that he's constantly yes, falling down. Yes, that was what Foggy told Karen. <laughs> and she like shows up at his apartment and there's a broken glass because he broke it during when he couldn't hear. <laughs> Hair of the <laughs> dog, like, the bitch. Like, it's not what it looks like. So, um, that was silly. Such- um, speaking of Matt and Karen, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to last. I we're only five episodes in, and there's thirteen episodes, and I know that this romance between them is doomed to fail somehow. And my notes say, "I'm gonna be so mad when this gets screwed up," because where we are now, it is so sweet and so perfect, and I okay. just I buy it so hard. I buy the chemistry between those two so much. There, there's there's certain things that you need to know about very specific comic book characters. Spider Man. Do I do I need to? Yeah. Spider-Man and Daredevil are never, ever, 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 ever romantically happy. Okay, but ever. I know that. I know that it's not. I know that it's not going to end well. But I'm going to be mad about it because I like. I like where it is right now. Like I'm okay, like Matt, got, where he you, like you, left. He kissed her on the stairs, and then he's like, "I'm going to leave." Because I want to hold on to this like perfectness that I have right now before I screw it up. That's where I am right now. I'm leaving the show on the stairs. <laughs> I don't want to see anymore because I don't want this whole romance to get all effed up. Well, the, the description of episode five is a former lover arrives in Hell's Kitchen and turns Murdoch's world upside down. 
And yeah, I saw was- <laughs> that one, and that was the one where Elektra showed up, and he was like, no, fuck you. You go home. <laughs> you go now. Just just be mindful. That's only episode five. <laughs> okay. Because when after he kissed her and she ran off to get a taxi or whatever happened, I looked at Chris, and I was like, I know what's going to happen right now. And he's like, I know what's going to happen, and it's not what you think is going to happen. And then Elektra showed up, and I was like, that's what I thought was going to happen. And he's like, oh, I thought you thought she was going to get hit by a car or something. <laughs> well, take it to the next level there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought that, because I'm looking at it like, all right, let's say I don't know Elektra's coming. I don't know there's any real real you know, Elektra story or anything like that. Let's, let's assume that I don't know. About that character, which I didn't know that Karen really knew about Electra. See, you underestimated my knowledge. <laughs> I did, yes, and I will forever be—I will forever be sorry for that. But it—it's uh, a—it would be a fair plot twist, I think, if, if there was no Electra. That yeah, she got hit by well, a car. Well, that would be like, a standard. Uh, okay, so this drama is going twist. really well. There's characters that are happy with one another. One of them's getting hit by a bus, <laughs> <laughs> or an arrow through the eye. It all depends on what show you're on. Okay, yeah. so we will revisit this whenever you guys are, are, are set to go. Most certainly. Um, but I can't say any anything bad about it at all, in all seriousness. Like, if I thought there was something that we have to watch out for, like, hey, be careful of this, don't get too involved with it, every part of the show is great. Um, I have one thing that I, I, I – it's not a complaint. Go ahead. It's not a criticism. Okay, the guy who plays the, the like – head of the Irish mob, the actual Irish guy. Mm-hmm. Gone too soon, in my opinion. I don't know if he's dead. I know he got, like, shot up, but I don't know if he actually got killed. Um, I, But I love that guy. He played uh, he played Van Gogh in Doctor Who mm-hmm. in a fairly famous episode. His name's Tony Curran, and I love him, and I hope he's not dead and we see more of him because he's awesome. When Okay, so, you, you saw him get shot up? In, like you just, uh, he had Punisher like captive, and he was trying to get the money back. And then that's when Daredevil showed up and okay. freed Punisher. And there was some gunfire exchange. Punisher was about to kill him, and then I think Matt dragged him away before he could kill him. Okay. I don't think he got killed. Do you remember, Chris? I really don't. Okay. I don't even remember if he got killed. So there's that. But he's awesome, and I want him to. Yeah, come he, back. he did. The, did a great. Everybody did a great job. If I have one complaint, it's that there's not enough stilt, man. There's, yeah. I'm waiting what for the- What the hell are you talking about? Oh, my about? God. There's this little-known hero. <laughs> I, I, hero. I look at him as a hero. <laughs> he is a the worst villain ever created. He's called Stilt Man. His le- his, he wears a, like a, a robotic suit, a, a suit of armor, and the legs grow. So, oh, boy. That's really it. That's all he's got. That's his power? That's all he's got. Oh, Chris he is showing me a picture, and it's excellent. <laughs> he takes very long strides. That's his superpower. <laughs> but- he's got a ray gun in his hand. I want stilt man. I want live action, dark, gritty stilt man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it is a possibility. All right. So, recap real quick. Oh, no. Do your thing, Chris. My thing... Uh, my thing would be to tell you that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, and follow us this show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S, Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. 
And Karen is available at shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, all right, so recap. Um, I am suggesting you're the worst. I liked it. I had a good time with it. Um, I feel it's going to be the type of show that you either like it or you hate it. So just go in with that on your mind. Uh, Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. We're still, yeah, we're still, still sticking with still it. Digging good, it. good. Nashville. Can't wait for the crazy. <laughs> crazy to come. Um, and Daredevil. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Finish it so we can talk about it again. I'm talking to you too. Um, Another little side note, I'm just glad that we got this episode recorded and it will be posted before those two guys over at Apathetic Enthusiasm try to do it again. <laughs> okay? Because I was a little upset when I saw that they were going to do a review before the TV show podcast on the site. I'm a little... I, but we're okay. We got it out first. So, with that, I uh, want to thank everybody for listening and... That's about it. I'm Evan. I'm Karen. Bisquick. Good night. <laughs> I have fully come to the conclusion that Donald Trump is a Muppet. He is at best a Muppet. Oh, okay. At best. Is that, is that putting Muppets down? That is putting Muppets down. I, Fuck. I, 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 I would I meant, rather I, Chip be president. I would rather <laughs> lick Chip full on the face. <laughs> Then have to endure one second of that orange fuck face. I, 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 I when I say Muppet, I meant like a fuzzy empty caricature, empty-headed yeah. puppet. <laughs> that Not is necessarily empty-headed puppets everywhere. <laughs> like you uh, yes, that? we got Electra is there, and she tricked him into showing up at her apartment and. And then a bunch of dick bags showed up and she put on her mask and, and that were, was the end, that was of, the end of the episode and we were both angry that we had to go to bed. <laughs> Damn you time. Exactly. <laughs> and Fucking adult time. responsibilities. I, I I can't I was forced to go see Deadpool and you know how I feel about Ryan. So. I do. That was a big deal, and I was very uncomfortable the entire time. Thankfully, there was like a 20-foot-tall Ryan Reynolds on screen most of the time. So, <laughs> so the raging erection was really more of a uh, distraction? <laughs> sort of soften the blow, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> or harden it. Either way, depends on six of one, half dozen of the other. Thing is, I don't really know when it's gonna. You know, I don't really know when it's gonna happen, and I don't want to be wearing a cup all day every day. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get you one of those flipped out cod pieces. You know what I'm talking about, like. <laughs> you sort of tie it up around your waist, and when you see him coming down the hallway, just untie it, let it flop down. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this concludes our broadcast day.